When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend. The end of our elaborate plans. The end. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a new theme Thursday. That's when Patrick, the idillionaire, he plays jams are intent- that are intended to provide clues and hints to Harge and I as to what the new theme of the day is. And it's pretty obvious. Uh, it is about um, songs that reference the end of things, last days, uh, finales, um, closing ceremonies, whatever it may be. We are approaching the end of Ball Don't Lie. So. I better We're- hear some Jay-Z encore. Uh, that's not a bad one. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, uh, you got. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> You're far too kind. <laughs> um, I still haven't. Like I, said, I assume "End of the Road" is coming at one point. It's got to be there. Cause it's got to be there. That's one of the best songs ever about the end of things. And it was supposed to be a part of Midweek Movie Music, which was Boomerang yesterday. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And that was on that soundtrack. So I know it's coming. I just don't know when. And thank uh, you to the texter that hit us <laughs> up and said, "I can't believe this is the last." Uh, new theme Thursday. Oh, it's yeah. the last one. It is sad. Yeah, yep. I, um, yeah. It is. It is sad. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I want to think about the sadness of it. Yeah, I have yeah. fun doing the musically themed days, but you're right. And then yeah, and then we got five one two Friday, and then I think till Tuesday's the last day, so we will have a top of the charts Tuesday. Then? Last top of the charts Tuesday. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it flew by. All right. Uh, so anyway, you can be a part of the show. Specs test lines the best way to do it. 512-337-3776. Uh, hardball hard. Just how you reach hard in Twitterverse. My man Patrick Davis. It is Patrick Davis. I'm at Rod Babers. All right. We got to get to this Big 12 story because it is official. Uh, at least from the statement from the Big 12, uh, their Twitter account um, read that the uh, commissioner, statement from the commissioner, said Irving, Texas, the following statement was released today by Big 12 Conference, um, by the Big 12 Conference through Commissioner Brett Yarmark and regarding University of Colorado, uh, in quotes, they're back. Just two words. <laughs> That's it. Um, so we're assuming that means that they have been voted or at least their invitation accepted or voted in. I'm not sure exactly how the process goes. But Colorado will be the newest member of the Big 12. And all the reports state, at least from Brett McMurphy and others, is that the Big 12 will look to add a companion program with Colorado. Um, but they may not stop at 14. This is for the 2024 season, remember. So Texas and Oklahoma leaving at 14. Now they'll take you to 12. Adding Colorado makes you at 13. You could add another team, makes you 14. And they may, Brett McMurphy says, add two more teams. In addition yes. to that to that 14 team, they may go to 16. So right now they're at 13. And he says they will not play 2024 season with 13 teams. They will have an even number. So he expects 14, but possibly even 16 teams. That's it. That is impressive, especially when you look at what is going on in the Pac-12, where it's going to be down to nine teams as of right now. So with them leaving uh, USC and 
uh, UCLA already scheduled to leave, and now you just add uh, Colorado, <laughs> they're, they're down to nine teams. Remember, Big 12 did that as well. They were dropped down to nine teams in certain sports. So now you're looking mm-hmm. at it and you're realizing that, uh-oh, we're sinking, and we're sinking fast. What is going to happen next? We don't have media rights. We don't have all these other things in place. So why would other teams want to stay in that conference exactly. as well? Even if you're a group of five team, yes. why would you want to jump up to the Pac-12 considering how unstable exactly. and how fragile the Pac-12 is right now? There's you wouldn't want to do so that. so much that you are looking at and saying, man, that water sure is murky. <laughs> I would not do, do it. And the crazy thing about it, guys, this is a, a total, a, just an abject failure by Klyovkov, yes. the commissioner of the Pac-12. Yep. He's pulling a Bosby, and I point this out earlier. I cannot believe that this guy hasn't studied the most recent history of college football to understand how this realignment was going to play out. But I brought this up yesterday. Guys, at the Pac-12 Media Days this year, and that was last week, I believe, mm-hmm. He went on the record and said, I'll just read you his comments here. He <laughs> said, but I will tell you what from what we've seen is that the longer we wait for the media deal, the better our options get. And I think our board <laughs> realizes that. He said that. He said that. Yep, he did. He also said, um, <laughs> he said, we're on track to announce our deals at about the same time everyone would have anticipated and predicted before conference realignment. Our patience will be rewarded. He's he's so cute. He he said this, (laughs) and he also said this. Here's another one. Here's another dinger. Our schools are committed to each other and the Pac-12. We'll get our media rights deal done. We'll announce the deal. I think the realignment that's going on in college athletics will come to an end for this cycle. Famous last words. Just like Bob Bowlesby, last Big 12 conference, his 11 days all right, 11 days before Texas and Oklahoma reportedly was announced they were leaving the Big 12, Bob Bowlesby said these words, a lot of the motivation for realignment is no longer there. Is that to say it couldn't happen? No, it could possibly happen for other reasons, but it doesn't appear to me that the motivation is there at this point. Not to say it couldn't happen, but it's not something that keeps me up at night. Well, I hope you're sleeping soundly. I was, like, I was trying to say, <laughs> you got put your seatbelt on, your on and go to sleep, man. You're going to be in there for a while. You're going to be there for a while. Unbelievable, yeah, man. man. I mean, that's, that's, some, that's the true definition of keeping your head in the sand and not looking at the things that are going around you, what are going on around you. You know that one meme where he's in the swing and there's fire going oh, on the behind him? Swing yeah. yeah. And there's nothing that they're worried about. It's just like... They're just out there. I'm just playing. They're, they're all kind. All hell is breaking loose behind them. But I got nothing to worry about because you know why? I live in my own bubble. I don't even have to worry about that kind of stuff. Wow. No, you are missing. You're missing your opportunities. And I believe mm. that a lot of those chancellors, uh, presidents, and mm. athletic directors are looking around right now and saying, "Guys." We have to stand up. I don't know what mm-hmm. he's talking about. Yeah. So the next person that calls you, I'm answering the phone call. I'm taking that phone call because there's nothing left for us. And I, I love the fact of what you were talking about, about the group of five. If I'm a group of five and I'm looking at that, the first thing you need to look at is what is the leadership? Yep. Where where are we going? Mm-hmm. Before I even I, – I haven't heard nothing from you. You went to Big Twelve, I mean, uh, to Pac Twelve Media Days, and said, "We don't know what we're doing about 
our 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 uh, contract with viewership. Crazy. We have no idea. No idea. And if you do, you obviously didn't share the vision with uh, Colorado because that came up quick. It came up quick. That's what I said. You got you got, <laughs> you got love, Brett Yarmark, and what he did, guys. He's been on the job like a little over a year. Mm-hmm. Remember, like at the Big Twelve Media Days, he put up like this is what I've done in the first year, and it was a long list of stuff. And I don't know if any of those uh, initiatives and actions um, that he is now being credited with were more important than him. Cutting the line, skipping the line of the Pac-12 and going to get and expedite his media deal with the with the, I think ESPN and Fox as uh, a six year, two point two billion dollar uh, extension of the media rights for the Big 12. And that in a nutshell, that may have been what doomed the Pac-12. Yep. Because now I just don't know if there are enough available networks or broadcast networks out there that can help out the Pac-12. And, you know, people, you know, getting to Colorado because Colorado and I know some people have said Colorado is not necessarily the the jewel that the Big 12 thinks it is athletic in athletics. And it may not be right now. It is sexy because the profile of Deion Sanders in the college football program. But Colorado has lost reportedly nearly 70 million dollars in mm, mm, possible mm. revenue that they would have gotten in the big 12 with the revenue sharing in the big 12 compared to the pac 12 and with the exit fees they've paid and now they're gonna have another exit fee on top of that so they just need to get back to somewhere where they can make money uh and be profitable and they are profitable but they're just not they're, they're losing a lot of money uh, in the pac 12 because the pac 12 is as you pointed out it's a sinking ship oh my goodness and so listen colorado athletics they've almost had lost at twice as many games as they've won <laughs> since sure. they since they left the big 12 their i believe you go look at their winning percentage is 34 percent winning percentage since they've had looking at the football program um their athletic department budget is seventh, I believe, overall in the Pac-12. They have the smallest athletic department in the Pac-12. Look, if you're looking at athletes and sports overall, um, so it's only like, man, it's actually not that you know, it's not a crown jewel of a program. Um, but the, this is about markets, and I think a lot of what Brett, Brett Yarmark's looking at is the Denver market, which I believe is like the 16th highest uh, rated media market out there and you get that and you got if you get the Arizona schools then that's another major market with Phoenix and Arizona so I think he's thinking about markets at this point yeah I think he's also thinking about how can I get all the other schools I may want from the (laughs) Pac-12 and if I destabilize them further it doesn't make it easier for me to get other schools because until somebody takes that first jump to the Big 12 the other ones may go well I don't want to be the only one who does it and then things turn out but once Colorado jumps, all right, all right now and now, now you may go to a Utah and go, all right Utah, you come on in and you're you're a perfect fit. We've got BYU here, mm-hmm. it, we'll bring you in, and then it's a question of do we go after Washington, Washington State? Do we go after Oregon and Oregon State? Do we go after Arizona and Arizona State? Mm-hmm. But we can take two of them with us too, and there's th- three more pairs right there for you. Sorry, Cal, you're probably getting left out of this one. Yeah, because Cal may yeah. want to go with Stanford. Yeah. If yeah, Stanford, yeah, academic, yeah. you know, academic yeah, and that kind of stuff, they might want to go with smart. Stanford. Yeah, that's a good point you brought up. I wonder if, if you're the Big Twelve, why not swing for the fences and try to go get Washington as opposed to and because or you could split up those schools instead of you could. going Washington, Washington State, Arizona, Arizona State. You could just split them up like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, just saying, you know what, we're not going to yeah, be rivals. And then, for and a then while. go, we'll take Washington and Arizona, or we'll take yeah. Oregon and Arizona. Different markets. Because you know. I, I still think if he's trying to go the basketball route, Arizona is the school you want to get. 
Okay. Because it is the it is the blue blood of basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that if you say, all right, if we want to go basketball and make the Big 12, then you want to get Arizona in. Uh, it's also closer. It's also a little bit easier, you know, just of everything geographically. Flights also, are going to be huge, man. And that's to say is once you get up, yeah. And once you get up to Oregon and Washington and all that, now you're okay. Now it's a bit more cross country. It's a bit more. So I think there could be a little bit more to say. Arizona just makes sense in a lot of ways. That's why I would keep saying them. But if they're not ready to make the jump, and Phil Knight is blowing up your phone, yeah, man. Then you may be looking at Oregon. And if you go to Oregon, you go. Well, I don't really want Washington State or Oregon State. No. So why don't I get Oregon and Washington? I think that's what the Big Ten wants. They want a sugar daddy like Phil Knight and Washington, those brands. And they, they may try to go get Stanford and yeah. Cal and throw that in there too to get some partners with their USC, UCLA yeah. brands. It's just, guys, it is remarkable that a year ago. We're having the conversation about which one of these conferences is going to end up being dissolving, essentially, um, because both were very fragile and unstable at the time. Brett Yarmark comes in and through, you know, some really creative decisions and I would say swift decisions. So he was uh, making moves really quickly once he got there. He was able to stabilize the conference. And now when you think about it, man, the Pac-12 now, if you're just kind of looking, they also remember because of their academic standards, they said they didn't want to go after Oklahoma State's and Texas Tech's of the Big 12 and maybe even some other schools in the Big <laughs> right. 12, maybe in Baylor or whatever. Uh, and I guess Baylor maybe uh, academically is a little bit different. But there were some schools in the Big 12 they didn't want to go after because they didn't think they fit their academic standards. And Which now, is crazy. Th- and that's when the Big 12 was unstable. As soon yep. as Texas and Oklahoma left, yep. Klyovkov should have been on the phone, and he should have been trying to poach the Big 12, and he did not. And that also was a dang coaching mistake. Bad move. Bad, awful move for him. Bad awful move. move for him. And that is why this is, what do you always say, coaching malpractice? This is leadership malpractice. Commissioner right? malpractice. This here. is commissioner <laughs> malpractice because he let this thing fall apart. Maybe he wanted it to. Maybe he, he his job, like you said, my parachute is I'm about to leave anyway, mm. so y'all can go ahead and do whatever y'all want, and I'll just go away from here, retire like Bob Bowlesby, go do something totally different. But the fact of the matter is that you let this happen and didn't have a plan in place Come on, is awful business. Yeah, that man. is awful business. You, you, Yeah, you were ill-equipped for this job, and that was proven. You were exposed. Yes. You were exposed Quickly. in the situation. Quickly. Yeah, and not only that, because Brett Yarmark came on the scene, and he was He's, so well equipped yes. and qualified yes. for the position and made some of those moves. Checkers and chess, right? And that the go-to? Checkers and chess. Yeah, I, no I will tell you, uh, we're talking about retiring. Klyovkov's only 56 years old. Yeah. Hmm. Bowlesby 71, so he you can, can retire. retire though. I know, but Get 56 is yeah. 56 is a young time to leave in disgrace. And I believe he's yeah. from the like gambling. Like, like a, like a, be, I've been it, on him not being getting, having a job I next forget, year. I want to say he's from like a, he's a casino background or something. I forget where Klyovkov was actually from. I I, I got to go look, but he wasn't he wasn't a traditional kind of you know through the bureau kind of kind of through the bureaucracy hire for yeah. them. They uh, kind of he was they, at MGM Resorts. MGM Resorts, okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean he was a little outside the box hire. So was Brett Yarmark. And I remember I always say if you're looking for a you know, a house always high, wins at those casinos. That's though. true. So maybe so he, he, he made it go back there because apparently yeah. he was really successful doing that yeah. stuff. So yeah. House go back always there. wins. Um, but when you're looking for someone in a high-profile leadership position like that, like that of a commissioner of a major conference, you're either looking for a dinosaur or an alien. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, Bowlesby is a, he's a basically and I he's an example of a dinosaur, right? This is a guy that's you know old and wise, been around for a long time, knew the terrain, knew the ecosystem, had relationships to that ecosystem, had evolved really to it, but almost almost to the point where it was to his detriment. All right, where he was so comfortable in that position as the commissioner of the Big 12 in his bubble, he assumed, oh, the Big 12 is safe because every member of the Big 12 is telling me how happy they are and that they're safe. And Brett Yormark, he's the alien. And the one advantage the alien has over the dinosaur in this brave new world, even though the dinosaur has been there forever and evolved to it, is the alien has perspective that the dinosaur will never have because they've never had a 30,000 foot view of their own world. And And the alien has ideas that the dinosaur will always question and ask why, and the alien will say, why not? Because mm-hmm. the alien is not from that world. That's Brett Yormark. He wasn't from that world, and he's been work. He's got a Rucker Park uh, yeah. exhibition tournament now with built, the Big Twelve coaching clinic with the yeah. Big Twelve. He's going to have international games in Mexico City with uh, Big Twelve football and basketball. He's been doing this, and they got a combine. Got yes. a Big Twelve. He's the first conference to have his own combine. He's going to have a Big Twelve combine that's going to be on the NFL Network and stuff. This dude's working fast. And like I said, it's stuff that other commissioners haven't thought of because other, most of these commissioners, and I think now we're getting more outside-the-box guys, they're too ingrained in the kind of antiquated culture of right. college athletics. This guy is not. Yeah. And everything's changing so drastically and so quickly. An outside-the-box hire, an alien, is probably where you want to go. Because even the guys who were who were kind of brought up in the bureaucracy of major college athletics, yep. it's changing faster than anything that they ever thought and everything that they, any knowledge that they ever had about it, they, that no longer applies. It's not applicable. Right. It's changing too quickly with the NIL transfer portal. Nobody can keep up. So just go get somebody right now that is comfortable in the chaos and they want to be a disruptor and not be disrupted. Klyovkov, you got disrupted. All right, and Brett Yarmark is a disruptor. Yeah, they came in and took your lunch money. That's exactly what happened. You got bullied because you were missing the boat and you weren't prepared for what was happening because you wanted to believe that you had it under control. When you get a guy like um, Yarmark who comes from a totally different background, like yourself, which you should have been able to pay attention. Yep. They're yeah. still building casinos. That's why they hired you. you they are building <laughs> casinos, yeah. and you are missing the mark on this. And for your mark, he came from that world where it's always, let's hustle, bustle. Let's get this thing going. Let's see what we can do. What are we? What is, what is something that hasn't happened before? Mm-hmm. Oh, a basketball game at the Rucker Park. You know how we can do that, Jay-Z? Give me because he's already he's got already the connections. Up. He's got the connections. He walked in that world already, mm-hmm. so he understands, hey, they probably had these conversations like, you know what, we should probably have a game one time. <laughs> Let's see who we could get <laughs> in there. Now all of a sudden he has the position to do that. And basketball is that. So why not? Let's do it. Mexico. Everybody's trying to get to Mexico to build teams mm-hmm. and travel. Why are you missing the mark on that? Because you're not thinking the way that the industry's going. And I love the fact about the NIL deal. Things are happening fast. We're adjusting to it. There's going to be a constant movement. That's just the evolution of sport. Yeah. So why is he not paying attention to this? And I'm still still trying to figure out if I'm one of the nine that is left, I'm trying to figure out what I can do next because this is not the answer. No matter who they bring in, you still don't have the cachet 
that all these other conferences have now created for themselves. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that the Big 12 lost three Blue Bloods, essentially, through realignment. And the Pac-12 lost one, which basically is USC. And, and UCLA, I guess, in basketball is considered that, too. But, man, the, the Big 12 is still more stable and in yeah. a better position now than the Pac-12 was. And the Big, so. lost, the Big 12 lost a lot. The Big 12 lost Nebraska. Uh, got back Colorado, I guess, if they lost it, but lost Texas A&M, A&M. lost yep. Texas, yep. Oklahoma, Missouri. That's a lot to lose. No. And like, Missouri's sitting over there like, we good. We good. <laughs> hey, good. We getting paid this big I'm money. I'm in this man. little spot right here. Nobody even talk about Missouri anymore. But you know what? We all right. <laughs> <laughs> we go. We are right? good conference um so yeah it looks like that the big 12 uh, will get colorado but they are not done um guarantee you after colorado and colorado it i like I, said, I i went over the numbers they have not had a lot of success athletically in the pac-12 and even you know monetarily they haven't financially had a lot of success so it's going to make a lot of sense for them coming back to the big 12 they need to be at least last time they were a successful program that's back when rod b was uh stomping on the 40 acres um they need to be closer to the state of texas that was their main recruiting mm-hmm. base it was their third it was a, the, the most i would say it was the nearest fertile recruiting ground for them and i know it's things like oh man they're a west coast team they were but trust me i went to a recruiting visit to colorado it was one of the five schools that I narrowed my choices down. Colorado was one of them. Rick Neuhauser was the coach at the time. Rick Neuhauser. And, and Colorado was an it program. Yep. It was one of the sexiest, coolest programs. I was a 17-year-old you know, kid coming out. I'm, I'm trying to go to the coolest programs. I, I visited Florida State. Highly uh, touted. How, you know what I mean? Highly touted. Yeah, I was thinking about going to what, the, what I thought were cool programs at the time, and Colorado was on that list. Um, because at the time, not only were the uniforms really cool, but they were a a dominant Stewart kind of football yeah. program. Cordell yeah. Stewart was a beast. Oh, he was. I mean, they beat us in the Big 12 title game while I was at Texas. They mm-hmm. were still winning Big 12 titles yep. at the time. And they they got they got away from that, obviously. They are getting back to it with Dion, And not that Dion's bringing them back. He hadn't even coached a game just yet. So that still has yet to be determined whether he's going to bring them back on the field. But guys... The it program thing that I talked about when I was youngster and they had, you know, kind of some some influence in pop culture and in the sports world. I think that could be coming back for Colorado. Uh, How about this? They actually sold out tickets, um, the season tickets for the first time in 27 years. Right. Sold out season tickets for the first time. They also sold out their spring game, too, which they never do because nobody cares about a spring game. They sold out the spring game. And they had their biggest sell- single ticket, uh, single game ticket selling day ever, I should say, when they announced Dion was going to be the head coach. And they sold like 11,000 tickets right. in one day. <laughs> so, I mean, the excitement is building for Colorado, the, the football program. We'll see. But either way, it does fit the Big 12 because Yarmark has talked about how he wants to be. He wants the Big 12 to be at the nexus of pop culture and sports. And he brought up his time at Rock Nation. He, he's got concerts already that he's having before, yep. sporting events and different festivals. Um, and honestly, Dion kind of fits that. Dion... Dion wants to be about pop culture, too. Yeah. Dion oh, is at the nexus of pop culture and sports, and so is Brett Yarmark, and he wants the Big 12 to become that. Dion is the perfect ambassador for that philosophy mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Now, he may not be here in five years, but for now, for right now, what the Big 12 is trying to do, he's a perfect acquisition. Yeah. He is going to bring life yeah. to the program. Because think about it. How many times you want to talk to Mike Gundy? Mm-hmm. Sonny Dykes. Yeah. Great guy. Not charismatic. 
You know, those guys are kind of like, meh, we just going to go out there, coach our ball team, and just go out there and make sure we're ready to play. Dion's going to be like, say, baby, we coming. Yeah, exactly. We coming, baby. You're going to be out there dancing at the concert. Yeah, exactly. Coming yes. on stage with Rick Ross. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just think of the narrative of the next Big 12 media days. Oh, where oh, the narrative was, hey, you just lost the two biggest programs. What are your com- – and now you're adding Colorado, probably some other programs, but Dion's walking into Big 12 media days and making that his and own show. Everybody's that's a, there. Patrick, that's everybody's a, there. That's a, are they doing points. that in Arlington? That's a brilliant yeah. point, bro. That's, that's where he's at. It's right. in Arlington So still. it's going to be where yeah. he's going to be like, oh, I remember when I was winning. So when was, I was SEC winning media here. days, right. too. That, honestly, Patrick, you're so right. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Nobody's going to be talking about Texas and Oklahoma being gone. It's going to be about Dion putting on the show. That's a, and you know what? Dion yeah. will. Dion will probably come in there with his own band. Like, he'll have, oh, like, a band, yeah. a drum major he'll behind bring, him. You know he'll bring? he bring, like, the Ocean of Soul or something. Oh, he's going to bring in Jackson State. <laughs> exactly. He's going to yeah, call he'll Jackson exactly. State. I owe y'all yeah. one. Come on. I owe y'all one. Come on. I'll hook y'all up, man. He'll, he'll bring, I trust yeah. me, he's going to put on the show. Patrick is so right about that. That's a great point. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a it's a great move for the Big 12. The Big 12 is not done. They're going to finish off the yep. Pac-12, I no think. No doubt. And I think it's the done. Big Ten's going to come in and poach some and – and that's it. It's all she wrote for the Pac-12. I have no idea what the remaining schools are going to decide to do. Maybe mm-hmm. just go down to a G5 level. But this is uh, the beginning of the end of the Pac-12. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel for the Pac-12. Like there's, they, there is if no they light. can't stop the bleeding, the only way to stop the bleeding is to get a deal done, a, a media rights deal done. They don't have a media rights deal done. So all the other schools are right now still flirting with other schools. because well, Not only that, they have nine teams right now. That's a, yeah. They have nine teams left in their conference. And to get anybody else, they're going to have to basically pay a buyout of whatever these other schools to get out of a contract because who's leaving something else to go there? You can't take ACC because they're no. way too far away. So you have to try and poach from the Big 12, and who's leaving the Big 12 to go there? Nobody. Who's leaving Big 10? Who's leaving SEC? So you have to poach from smaller conferences that all have deals and you can't get anybody from. San Diego State, you couldn't even get to come because it was going to cost them too much money. That's okay. Yeah, San Diego State backed out too. They were like, uh, you "It's know a what? lot of money." We no, that like was it. like I think San Diego State was like that team, that guy who said he had a scholarship and nobody even offered it to him. <laughs> I think that's what San Diego State was. Like, Shout out to my boy TC. <laughs> TC speaks. Love you, bro. But I think I don't think they were actually in that conversation. They just went. They were like, "We playing." They called their shot. Yeah, no, they called. I, and uh, now, if you're no the Pac-12, you better you might want to entertain it. The exactly. San Diego State thing. What apparently they said was they were like, "Hey, we need you to come over." Here here and they're like, wait, wait, wait. You say we got to pay like yep. millions of yeah. dollars to get out of our TV deal now yeah. to go to y'all and y'all, y'all don't have, have a TV, TV deal. I can't come over there with no, you got to give me some for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can't pass up your for sure for some mo And you end, and end up, up with no. no. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That that's is what business. they had a labor looking at. Like, wait Been a there. That's exactly it. You know, I'm going to pull up to her house. She's going to say her parents are out of town. <laughs> yep. And she's going to be like, but my uncle's here. Like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I don't know what uh, Klyavkov and the uh, Pac-12 are going to do. Like I said, I don't see a, I don't see light at the end of the tunnel. I don't see a way out of this for them, but we'll see. Maybe they can pull off a miracle and keep the rest of those yep. schools uh, there intact and then add another school. But still, you're still the weaker of the Power Five uh, you know, conferences, so it's only a matter of time. It is an inevitability that you're going to end up getting poached again by someone. <laughs> right. All right, so uh, we'll get back to that story, but that's the big story in the uh, Big 12 is that Colorado will be the newest member of the conference. All right, we come back. I want to get into, actually, there's a... 
There's a lesson to be learned from a recent retirement in the NFL. Went under the radar. Nobody cares about it. But I'll give you a reason to care about this nondescript retirement. It's an age-old lesson uh, that all football coaches need to know. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful Nine Horn. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to uh, Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Time for Rod's rant of the day. Uh, we'll get back to a lot of NFL news, notes, and nuggets. As a matter of fact, another NFL story uh, that is uh, right now breaking is that Jalen Ramsey, is probably going to miss the start of the NFL season. Um, he's having a procedure done on uh, one of his knees. So he's going he's gonna to miss start of the season. They have not been specific as to what the timeline is going to be. They did say his ACL is intact, but he's going to miss the start of the season. It's team I picked to mm-hmm. win that division. That ain't good. It's not good news for him. <laughs> it's uh, just a start, man. It it's is okay. a start long season. season. Long it is, season. It is a long season. Somebody else will have to deal with it as well. Yeah. Uh, other injury news is that uh, Joe Burrow has a calf injury of some kind to start uh, training camp, so he'll probably end up being out for a little while, too. Diana Rossini tweeted out just a little two minutes ago that it is confirmed to be a strained calf. Good. That's yeah. no, not good, but But it's you know, like everybody than, else. Yes, yep. exactly. Right, because Donovan Wilson mm-hmm. from the Cowboys out four to six weeks strain with a strained calf. calf. Uh, at least C.J. Gardner-Johnson, it was a, was it yep. a calf injury for him, mm-hmm. too? Very weird. Like you said, I don't know. Maybe guys don't stretch the calf. I'm like, man, they don't do leg day. I stretch my calves. Stretch your calves. Before I go run, I stretch my calves. Yeah. I don't know. It's not stretching the calves. Maybe I'm sure they're stretching the calves, but they got to be doing something. Got to be something going on. Um, Okay. Uh, we'll get back to some more NFL discussion. As a matter of fact, top of the 6 o'clock, we'll talk NFL. Sean Payton taking shots at Nathaniel Hackett. We'll read those quotes. And Robert Sala has already responded to <laughs> Sean Payton's comments. And now week five, uh, the Jets on the road at the Broncos, to me, is must-watch television. And I found a nice little nugget um, as to why Aaron Rodgers may be he may be a little reluctant to talk trash to Sean Payton. <laughs> and there is some evidence that Sean Payton has got some inside info on Aaron Rodgers. Come on, man. I'll share that with you when we talk, uh, talk about it in 6 o'clock. Okay, uh, let's get to this story. because like It's a nondescript story, and nobody cares about it. But I'll give you a reason to care. John Ross, remember that name? Yeah, the wide receiver. Yes. Yeah, fast. Receiver. One fast. of the fastest dudes out there, 4-2, four, 4-3. Four, he three. set the record. Yeah. yeah he set the record guy. for the fastest 40 time in combine history. He ran a 4-2-2 two, two mm-hmm. and was drafted ninth overall in the 2017 draft by uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I he, yeah. he was playing with the Chiefs last time, yeah. I think, uh, last team he was with, but he was playing uh, for Cincinnati initially. Yep. Uh, that's who he was drafted by. He made, I think, $19.2 million in his career uh, since he entered the league in 2017. He had 62 cr- catches in his entire career career 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. About $311,000 per kit. So, hey, good. I'm glad he retired. That's good work if you can find it, right? And you know what? He probably could (laughs) have tried to make a roster or something. They expanded the uh, practice squad uh, Mm -hmm. rules this year so older veterans can even be on a practice squad. I'm sure he could have gotten a check this year from somebody. He's deciding to hang it up. He's like, man, I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm moving on. And the lesson to be learned here from John Ross and his career, and you got to tell scouts this over and over again, and you got to tell NFL coaches over and over again, you know, speed should be just a data point. And it's an important data point, but still just one data point in your overall evaluation Mm -hmm. of a receiver. Um, you know, a, a fast forty does not, uh, you know, make a great wide receiver. Man, he uh, cold because he ran a four five. Yeah, and usually that happens. It's like yeah. it, it, it. All the other, it seems like all the 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 liabilities in their skill set and all the negative things about their skill set are overlooked once you get the fast forty. And Michael Irvin throws his dad out there all the time, and now they've updated because Randy Moss is now in the um, Hall of Fame. He, he's the only sub four three wide receiver in the Hall of Fame. He's the only one, Randy Moss. Wow, that's Michael Irvin claims. Yeah, it's Michael Irvin factoid for you, keeping up with wide receivers in the Hall of Fame. And <laughs> that's probably he's like, man, I'm gonna see who's the fastest. If you go look at the top twenty five fastest receivers in combine history, top the top fastest receivers in combine history, right and Go look at how many of them basically ended up with thousand yard campaigns. How many of them you think there are? Out of the top twenty five. Ten? One. What? One. Who is it? Santana Moss. Oh, he was called. He was called. Santana Santana Moss was and he's somebody that nobody even really pays attention to yes. unless you was really in the game. Um uh, yeah. If you take the uh, the top, I think, and I think Dante Star was right right on the edge of that too. And I was going to say because I thought Dante was flying, so it might be two, but it's not. It's not a lot. Trust me. If you just take the fastest guys, because most if you go look at the top twenty five fastest combine times. Um, and look at the wide receiver position. All right, at those those fastest combine times for wide receivers. If you go look at it, the best out of that group is. Like I said, Marquise Goodwin, Dante Starworth, Darius Hayward Bay may be in a conversation. And I think Santana Moss is the probably one of the best ones. If you look at fastest, top 25 fastest wide receivers at the combine. Mm. Santana Moss, as I mentioned, he's the one you got your thousand yards receiving. But it's not, like I said, it's it's usually not necessarily a really productive group of wide receivers once they get to the NFL level. Um, but like I said, it, and even like I said, I love Dante Starworth, but he never had a thousand yards. He had nine forty-five. I can't, man. So I'm saying, you, it, so well, I know everybody's got a lot of belief to, about it, but right. there's only one receiver out of the top twenty-five fastest wide receiver to come by that's even got a thousand yards receiving in his career. That's interesting. No, it's just that's it a, makes perfect sense. That's a, what you know. It's scouts and coaches overlooking the negative data points in their evaluation wide receivers once they get a confirmed sub four three. They overlook all the other negative aspects of their skill set. And the truth is, you know, you don't being a wide receiver is more about the art of route running than anything else. And the art of route running is just creating separation. And it's been my experience, because I went up against a lot of wide receivers, that every wide receiver achieves separation differently. Yeah, they all yeah. got a different way of doing it. Some well, guys can do leverage, it with a four. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Jerry Rice ran a four seven. Yeah. 
right? So their guys and get, never got caught. Yeah, and then I think he ran it again and ran a four or five. But Jerry Rice wasn't necessarily fast. Um, and there are lots of different you know examples of that. I always say it's, it, it reminds me of. The example I gave about, you know, wide receiver speed is kind of like being well endowed. That alone does not make you a great lover. You know what I mean? Now, there are a lot of the things you got to do to be a great lover. It helps to have attention to detail, to be able to multitask. You got to be considerate to the other person and their feelings, all that kind of stuff. Uh, now, being well endowed helps, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to be a great lover. And wide receiver speeds the same way. Just because you're exceptionally fast does not mean you're going to be a great route runner, therefore a great wide receiver. And I think a lot of the times they automatically assume, oh, man, they're well endowed. They're definitely going to be a great lover. Not the case. No, that's Women not. will tell you that, too. All right. Size of the boat, motion of the ocean, that kind of thing. Well, I'm not two, talking from experience. I'm just saying for others. And two, everybody <laughs> assumes that you can coach anybody anything. Yes, that is also the case. Where they go, yes. well, if he's fast, I can uh, teach hey, him. Where, I like that one, Patrick. I, I can teach oh, him boy. how to do it. Yeah. And your like, RB is over here. Yeah. And you're like, well, he hasn't learned it in the last eight years. Yeah. What makes you think that in the next two he's going to pick it up? And I know you think you got better coaches, but if he yeah, has not got it in the last eight. Everybody thinks that they are the ones that can That's fix true. it. It's a lot of, you're right, there's everybody a lot of hubris and arrogance among NFL yeah. coaches, too. Oh, he couldn't do this. I can get him to do it. Yeah. I can get him. Um, he just wasn't the wrong Someone team. says, what about Tyreek Hill? He didn't go to the combine, remember? Yeah, he got in trouble. He got in trouble. He, had, he did yeah. a pro day. He didn't go to the combine. So I'm talking about yeah. at the combine. No, Tyreek Hill is actually one of the examples of a guy that the speed actually on the field, it does translate to his route running. And so there are exceptions to every rule, of course. Right. But for the most part, don't necessarily think because a guy is fast that makes him a great wide receiver. I mean, wide receivers in the NFL right now, you know, there's a lot of good ones, but, um, you know, not all of them are speedsters right. by any stretch. They're just great route runners. I mean, most of those guys are probably 4-4, four, four, you know, big 4-4. Yeah. Four, four, well, four, I, I'm, four. I'm with you on the route running part of it because if you can run a good route, crisp route, making sure that you get the right separation, whether it's leverage, whether it is the speed. Exactly. There's so many different ways to get there. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. Yeah. Um, so, no, as I said, there are exceptions to the rule. Not saying that there aren't exceptions to the rule, but there are. All right, no. uh, we come back, we'll get into what may be the biggest story that nobody's discussing right now in the uh, sports world. Not sports world. No, nobody's talking about the sports world, but in pop culture or really anywhere. We should be talking about this. It should be the top com- topic of conversation everywhere in America, and it's not. So we'll make it our conversation <laughs> for Off the Record on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie, one for Horn. Live right here on 1049 The Horn. It is a new theme Thursday, a sentimental new theme Thursday. That's usually when Patrick plays jams that are supposed to provide Harge and I with clues and hints as to what the new theme of the day is. We got it pretty quickly, and so did you guys on the Specs text line. It's all about the finale, the end of things, the uh the last dance, closure, because our beautiful show is coming to an end. It's sad. 
but it's all right. We had a damn good time. He gone. You ain't here for, uh, you know, you ain't oh. here for a long time, but be here for make a sure you're here time. for a good time. That's damn right. right. Yeah. And we get the great song from Molly Crew. Don't go away mad, just go away. Just yeah, go away. I like that. There you go. Don't, yeah, I like that. That's pretty good. Hey, man. Don't speak to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Some people probably aren't mad about it. Yeah, it's okay. It's 100%. Like, it's all right if you may. You feel how you want to feel about it. You're entitled <laughs> exactly. to have your own feelings about what's going on. Okay. How about this, guys? So I don't know if you guys are keeping up with this, but um, there's been a House <laughs> Oversight and Accountability Subcommittee on National Security, and uh, they're basically <laughs> – the hearing is about y- what they call UAPs, uh, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, mm-hmm. and UFOs. This is a real congressional hearing. I'm not making this stuff up at all. It's actually happening. And there, I believe the, the, the gentleman who is speaking, who is being questioned here, is David Grush. He's a former National Reconnaissance Office office representative on the Defense Department's Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force. I guess his official title. But see, he's been asked about a number of different things. And I believe uh, the first question, or it's an audio piece that we have here, uh, the first question will be asked by the uh, representative. Uh, is her name? She's actually becoming really popular too hard even showed me a <laughs> uh, clip of her representative mace uh, yeah. from, from south carolina nancy mace is her nancy name mace, like nancy grace yes and they're asking this guy because apparently he was in, he was involved um he was one of the members of this task force that was investigating uaps and ufos and alien extraterrestrials and alien life it sounds made up, but it's not. So here is a little snippet, audio snippet of her questioning uh, this government representative. With experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? Something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness? Like, how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and, and you may or may not be able to answer my last question, and maybe we get into a skiff at the next hearing that we have, but who in the government either, what agency, sub-agency, what contractors, who should be called into the next hearing about UAPs, either in a public setting or even in a private setting? And, and you probably can't name names, but what agencies or organizations, contractors, et cetera, do we need to call in to get these questions answered, whether it's about funding, what programs are happening, and what's out there? I can give you a specific cooperative and hostile witness list of specific individuals uh, that were in those. And, and how soon can we get that list? I'm happy to provide that to you after the hearing. Super. Thank you. And I yield back. Okay, so that's the first clip. Uh, the next clip is a uh, another. Uh, I think it's the same guy here, David Grush, being questioned. But it's another representative that's questioning him, and I believe it's Mister Burchett, if I'm not mistaken. 
uh, the questions get a little bit more, I don't know, the answers I say get a little bit more diabolical. Uh, here is uh, the audio. Do you have any personal knowledge of people who have been harmed or injured in efforts to cover up or conceal these extraterrestrial technology? Yes. Personally. Have you heard, have anyone been murdered that you would think, that you know of? Or have heard of, I guess. I have to be careful asking that question. I directed people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities. I think the answer is supposed to be no. I don't know anybody's been murdered to cover up the existence of extraterrestrial life on Earth. And he said, "Now nah, I can't really answer that. I, I truly believe that we're living in a uh, SNL skit. On, this man? is a Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> Good Lord. It has to be. I think they figured out that they're like, look. We talk about immigrants, and half the population doesn't care anymore. And we talk about religion, half the population doesn't care. Yeah. You know what that population wants? Aliens. Talk about aliens, and they'll distract them, and we can go do what we do behind the scenes. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Unbelievable. It, it yeah. is unbelievable. I just love, I, I have friends that do not trust a single word the government has said for 50 years. And they believe every single word that they have was said on this hearing. <laughs> like, like this was like you just heard the clips. Like they're reading, they just go, "No, but I mean, of course, of course, we have bodies of aliens. Of course, every cut like that. No one's ever happened in Africa or in Europe or anywhere else. No, they always oh, kept it a secret. No, I have to live in this mind, mind that America." They just came here. They were like, well, aliens speak English. We all know that. So it was here or England. Uh, well, they can read our mind. That's part oh, of it. That's they, forget is. that. They can read our minds as well. Yeah, all right. Sure. So just before we move on here, just simple question. Do, do you believe or do you disbelieve that there is alien life on the planet right now in some form or fashion, either Deceased or alive? I'm not. I'm not at liberty to say right now, but I could tell you. <laughs> right, we could, we, if we got in a skiff, we I'm could not, talk about this. I was like, I'll give you that. What I find, you my might get basis, too. Don't worry about. With, I can tell you what my findings are after the show. I'm not going to be able to give that to you right now. Uh, you you, you, you got a conspiracy theory mode. I'm just, uh, like, just going to see what happens. No, no. I look. No, I, no, look. I, I love unsolved mysteries as much as anybody oh, else. Man. Can it's we good. get Robert Wall to do this? Is he still around? <laughs> yeah. Get that. Oh yeah, that music in the background. What's it? I used to get that with unsolved mysteries. The yep, music. That's always scared me as a kid back in the day. Like, oh no, something scary is about to come on. I would say there's a great theory. I think it's called the Great Filter Theory, if I'm not mistaken. Essentially, there are scientists that believe that if if an alien species is um, organized and advanced enough to travel through space and time potentially to get to Earth, then they're way more advanced than we are, right? Um, and just to take our own society um, as the only example that we have to kind of study you know, what human nature, but just the nature of living conscious things, we are constantly in a cycle of kind of self-destruction as a society. Mm -hmm. like we're just basically trying to destroy ourselves. Every day. Whether it be through, you know, nuclear weapons or, you know, shooting at each other or destroying our own planet. We're just, we're in this cycle. And the belief is that, that aliens don't exist because if they're anything like us, they, they'll destroy themselves way before they ever <laughs> reach the level of advancement where they can travel through space and time. They, not, not they don't have the ability to right. do it or they have the desire to do it. They do. But if they're like us, They'll kill themselves and destroy themselves as a society way before they ever do that. And mm -hmm. that's, I think, the theory, the great filter theory is that, yeah, they do. They, they, they existed, but they didn't reach Earth because they destroyed themselves in the process through their own self-destructive nature. Right. If they're like us. <laughs> if they're like us.
Hopefully they're not like us. I'm not at liberty to tell you what I found, <laughs> but I know that things are going down. Oh, I love that. All right, we come back. We'll get into Sean Payton. Sean Payton. I wonder if he believes in aliens. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll talk about how he's taking shots at Nathaniel Hackett and the response and retort by Robert Sala. All of that and more right <laughs> here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 Horn.